Hi, my name is Kirk Hamilton, your host of the Staying Healthy Today show, and it's a real pleasure today to be with Dr. James Kelly, who's medical director of El Nutra, uh, which is a company that makes a very unique product we'll talk about that deals with the fasting mimicking diet concept, uh, originated from Dr. Walter Longo's work at USC, and I'm experiencing it today. I'm on day four of the, uh, the Prolon fast. And so, welcome, Dr. Kelly. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. How are you feeling today? You know, I'm doing fine. I mean, I've shared this with people and, you know, and and I've done some fasting. So, this is not um, something new to me. I've done, actually, I've done a water fast for six days by itself, which Which I ended up bouncing bouncing off the walls, working full time many years ago. And then I've done a fruit juice fast for three weeks. But this is, this is different. And so I'm on day four and uh, it's not without food, um, but I have my food bar and olives in there for the airport. Great. <laughs> where... You planned ahead. That's, that's good planning. Because oh, so. the airport is my weak link, you know, where I'm dying. I'm tired at the end of the day, traveling down here. Yeah, and and there are no rules in the airport. Yeah. It's wild west. So. Well... <laughs> so that can be a tough one. Yeah. We tried to make it a product that you can travel with, but there are limitations to it. Right. So uh, it's great to hear that it's working for you. Day four is, especially for guys, starts to be the turning point. Girls get into it a little earlier. And I say girls, but really it's people of smaller stature with lower basal metabolic rate. They tend to adjust quicker. But for me, day two and three are the hardest. Day four, I start to feel normal again. My body's producing its own energy and my headaches are gone. I still have a little trouble sleeping. Some people do, but most people right about now start to feel pretty good. Day five is obviously the day where the energy boost kicks in, brain fog lifts. Well, before we get into the the specifics, so let's tell me your journey. You're a trained MD. Why'd you why'd you get into medicine and then how'd you end up with El, El Nutra? Great question, yeah. So my uh, experience with medicine, my father is an eye doctor, and so I grew up in a medical family. My mom has uh, rheumatoid arthritis. I hope she's okay with me talking about it on the air, but she is sort of my first person that really drew me to what it's like to help people who need more. She's got, she developed RA before they came out with a lot of the newer treatments, the disease modifying anti-rheumatics like Remicade, things like that. So she has most of the skeletal sequelae you can get, the swan neck deformities, all that kind of stuff. She has basically permanently sprained ankles. So a lot of help getting up and down stairs, things like that. She never lets anybody know she's in pain, but it really drew me to kind of the care provider mentality was that and, and being around my grandparents as they aged. And, and I really fell in love with it and wanted to do it for a career. During my medical training, I did elected to do the dual degree MD MBA program and discovered that medical innovation was a thing and that doctors and really care providers, clinicians, people on the front line are so busy doing their day jobs that the people giving them the tools aren't always clinicians themselves. So I love the idea of learning and meeting clinicians who are creative thinkers, who are developing the next generation of equipment and techniques and, and nutrition that is going to be used by other clinicians. So so how I got involved with El Nutra is during my MD, MBA, I did a rotation. I, I finished at the University of Southern California because they have a very, very strong entrepreneurship and innovation program. With uh, the medical school? So the medical school actually trained at Ohio State. And then I did a concurrent, my third year of medicine after I finished that, I did a 
year of MBA, and then and that was done at Ohio State. And then I came back to medical school, and then I came out to University of Southern California for a couple of medical rotations and the last year of my business school. So you're a real dumb guy that <laughs> you could do both is, at the same time. Well, the dumb part was, was no, that's the, the student loans I took on, but that, that was a, that was a poor decision. But the uh, <laughs> but the education was first rate, and I loved learning everything I did. But during that time, I actually met Dr. Longo through the business school, one of the advisors to the innovation program introduced me because they were looking for a, a person with medical background to help them write a business plan basically for longevity centers. So my first introduction to Dr. Longo and the research he was doing around fasting and longevity was way back in 2011 for the formation of L-Nutra, before Prolon, the fasting mimicking diet, before any of that. So maybe you can give me a a quick short bio of Dr. Longo because sure. he's going to be a central figure that pops up here in mm -hmm. the conversation. Well, so I don't have his bio totally committed to memory, but if I recall correctly, he was originally came to Southern California as a rock star. That's correct. Uh, and he's got a couple guitar. he's got a couple albums out actually and that. he's a very very talented musician and he ended up you're at a school in Texas uh, and and really maybe that was during his PhD dissertation. I'm not exactly sure, but he kind of wore many hats where music was still one of them. Found his way back out to Southern California and ended up climbing very rapidly through the ranks of the USC School of Gerontology research programs and ended up founding and being the chair of the Longevity Institute. I believe he was the founder. I, I could be mistaken, but he's definitely a very well-regarded longevity researcher, but that turns out to be just one of his many talents. So, mm -hmm. But he's from originally Genoa, Italy, which is one of the longer living populations on Earth. So that'll so come into play later. How did he, I mean, his pre-work is how you got mm -hmm. the prolon. Mm -hmm and Alnutra together. So what was his basic research work that set up the product that we I'm using today? Yeah, the the five-day fast, yes. modified fast. So the romantic story version of it that I'm <laughs> most familiar with is that he was looking at the longest living populations on earth and trying to determine how they do it. And it's multifactorial, but one of the main factors is diet. And one of the consistent factors seems to be what they're eating. And, and I guess sort of the aha moment that I understand is that the Loran population in Ecuador is, is a very, very short population, but has never gotten any cancer or diabetes in the history of their population. I believe they had one benign skin cancer in one of their people, but other than that, they've never had any history of any disease of that type. And so looking at them, it turned out they have an IGF-1 mutation in their receptor for insulin-like growth factor one, which governs growth hormones and growth, which is why they're very tiny, but it also plays a role in diabetes and age-related disease. So meaning having IGF-1 reduced would yeah. be an advantage, or at least? It appears so. At least in their population, the main hallmark of the lack of age-related disease and the long lives they live other than the fact that they are more prone to accidental injury because of their stature in a larger world, is that mutation in IGF-1, which allows them to not respond to signals of eating more. So the more you feed them, it doesn't trigger any extra growth hormone release. So they don't grow very large, but they also don't get that cellular turnover and that DNA damage, at least the theory is, that's why they're not getting these age-related diseases. So their low IGF-1 expression is leading to protection from certain things, in addition to the downside of being very short in stature. So I get that part. 
So how would that lead us to a reduction in calories and and the fasting part? So Dr. Longo's kind of synthesis of how he built his following is that he looked at what affects IGF-1. How can we transfer the benefits of this population without getting any of the downsides? And something that's also common among other long-living populations is that they eat traditionally very low animal protein diets that are high in healthy fats, um, sort of, I guess, sort of the Mediterranean-style diet, where if you're going to eat some animal, it's typically fish or shellfish, uh, but the diet is primarily uh, healthy fats and plant-based nutrition. So he tried to figure out how to incorporate that, and that's part of the puzzle, but then he started looking at what actually suppresses IGF-1. And fasting, it turns out, is a major suppressor of IGF-1. So if you restrict nutrition to the body, you can suppress IGF-1, mTOR, pKa. There's other ones involved like AKT, but the biochemistry is less important. But it turns out if you fast for a couple days, you can shut off those pathways. So my question is that I, I get that fasting does that. But these cultures, do they periodically fast or do they just eat low-calorie diets at times? So many of them do incorporate fasting, especially in the blue zones like the Seventh-day Adventist population Mm -hmm. fasts one day a week. But prolonged fasting, that's a great question, and that's one that I actually need to do a little bit of discussion with him further about how did he discover. Five days. Yeah, and my understanding is the reason we settled upon five days was based on animal research and then trials in humans. But what he did was... He figured out if you fast for one day, you get these benefits. What happens if you fast a little longer? Where is the sweet spot? And it turns out if you fast for a couple days, you trigger this regenerative rejuvenative effect. Specifically, if you've heard of the term autophagy or autophagy mm-hmm. and apoptosis or apoptosis, however you'd like to say it. Explain autophagy. Sure. Uh, auto- autophagy? <laughs> I always say autophagy. <laughs> it can be said either way. I've heard both. I truthfully don't know which one's I right. I mean, I so. call it a scavenging of cell parts or fragments. Mm-hmm. And those, as they're cleared out of the body, then the other cells work better. Mm-hmm. Is that That's true? So, and again, I'm my my background. I I did a lot of neuroscience work, but I'm not a biochemist by right. training. So I'll give my butchered version of it. But as far as I understand it, autophagy literally means self eating, and a couple different things happen. You scavenge the parts around you to make new organelles, and in some cases, you even eat your own intracellular damaged organelles, which are the small parts inside the cell that are its structures that create the ribosomes that make proteins and things like that and actually do the DNA expression. If there are damaged pieces, triggering autophagy or autophagy leads to cleanup of those damaged pieces. So let me ask you, if the, I, I get the, all right, so we have the self cleanup. Mm-hmm. If we continually eat and never, in other words, we're fed all these, we have unabashed calories that mm-hmm. we can consume. Yeah. We're very good at feeding ourselves. we don't do as much auto autophagy or autophagy as we would yeah and there's this is a a little bit of a misnomer about autophagy or autophagy is that it is always occurring and it's always occurring in a low level and especially if you go into ketosis the process by which the liver releases glycogen storage to my understanding is actually a type of autophagy so there that type can occur very quickly within 8 to 12 hours of not eating but the type that we're discussing here about damaged tissue requires prolonged fasting or Mm -hmm. prolonged suppression of IGF-1, mTOR, and pKa. And the only way to do that is either by fasting or by what we've developed, which is mimicking a fast. So you need minimum of about 24 to 48 hours to even activate that process. And then it expresses over the next 24 to 48 hours with with starting to diminish how much damage repair you're doing by the day four to five of a fast. So we have autophagy and stimulation of stem cells. Mm-hmm. So explain that part, because when we talk about anti-aging, that's a big buzzword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does that fit? Right. So people are obviously, I think, 
with good reason, really interested in stem cell-based regeneration. And so what we see in mice and in humans very clearly during a couple days into a fast is a dramatic boost in circulating stem cells. Now, we're not talking about bone marrow stem cells. We didn't necessarily do those biopsies in humans to show that that's actually what's happening. But what we do see is that MSPCs or mesenchymal stem progenitor cells, which are the things that make organ tissue uh, and bone and muscle and things like that, uh, we see that those levels rise dramatically later in a fast a couple days in. Uh, and the working theory, and we have pretty good evidence in mice that this is what's happening. And in humans, it's a little more anecdotal, but we see that as damaged tissue gets deleted or repaired, stem cells go way up. And then when you refeed traditional food after finishing a fast or an FMD, the stem cells go down to above the original level, but they've still significant decline from their peak, with the idea being that half of them went and made new tissue. So after you complete a fast, you've triggered all these stem cells to proliferate into the bloodstream, and then those stem cells go forth and differentiate into new tissue. So I thought I remember hearing you say something about that the effect is most profound within 10 days after the fast? Sure. Or, or yeah. What, what, was that? what it seems to be is that, uh, and this is again based on somewhat limited data that we're still expanding upon, that after you finish the fast for the next three to five days, so 10 days from the start of the fast, five days after you started eating is really by that point, most of those stem cells have gone on and differentiated into new tissue. At least that's what we believe is happening. And it's what seems to be happening in the preclinical results at least. So I would say the peak differentiation is probably three to five days, but that's based again on my limited understanding. All right. So you did animal studies and then you did it in humans. Mm -hmm. Now I get a little confused. I know you, you encourage three months of mm -hmm. this and that was the study of, you know, you do it five days and then off a month, five days, mm -hmm. five days on 25, 25 days, days off, off, five days on 25 days off. You do three and total cycles. So, and I know there's been shown benefit for like central adiposity, lowering inflammatory components such as C-reactive protein, lowering some lipid or glucose parameters. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, was that all, all those parameters done in one study? Because I get confused yeah. between that and the cancer part. So we did two human trials where we demonstrated that the three cycles has a more pronounced, more prolonged effect. The reason being, if you do it once, it seems to work really well, but it, the benefits last less long. They Anywhere between two to four weeks, people start to regain some of the weight. Some people keep it off. Some people go on to lose more, but a large percentage will regain that initial lost weight. Their markers may not have as profound of an impact. Whereas if you do three repeated cycles, once a month for three months, you see much more pronounced effect, more significant, more lasting weight loss. Specifically, we saw people we measured them four months after their third cycle was completed, and they still had 60% of the weight loss without any additional changes, which indicated to me that we're properly stressing their metabolism to actually somewhat alter it more long-term, which is really what we want. We don't want to restrict them chronically like in a restrictive diet, which is going to slow their metabolism. We want to, for five days only, really blast them. Their body goes into survival mode, burns everything, optimizes everything, and then we let them go back to their lives. And then we stress them again a month later. And by doing that repetitive cycle, we seem to actually, in some cases, boost metabolism. So, and I apologize to, to clarify the research. Did one, I believe it's 15 people and mice and yeast and compared the results. And it was, the reason we did that is because you can't do a longevity study on humans. It'd take 100 years or 100 and 
20 to 40 in our goal case. So mice live about 13% longer after three cycles of mouse prolon. They get less cancer, less diabetes, less heart disease, less autoimmune disease. They regenerate neuro tissue. So a lot of really beneficial things, including immune system function boosting. And in humans, in our trials, we did this in this 15 person trial, the conclusion they drew was that we're not going to claim any changes in, in disease profiles, but the biomarkers for many of the same things were affected in the same way. And then we did a larger human trial that was 100 patients. That was a crossover study that looked at the same three cycles, but it was just humans. So, so where did the treating cancer patients, because that's a, that's a big part mm-hmm. of the book that you try and have the fast within the time of the chemotherapy and the fast one day right. afterwards. Mm-hmm. So was that a different trial? Yeah, so that's an ongoing trial. So they've done a couple different trials around in both preclinical and the clinical setting with mice models, animal models, and humans around the idea of chemotherapy side effect profile improvement. So the idea being if you do this, if you do a fast or something like a fast in or around the time of chemotherapy, can you reduce side effects? And it turns out that if I put the body in a fasting state, growth slows dramatically hair stops dividing as rapidly, mouth lining, kidney lining, stomach lining, etc. So chemotherapy attacks rapidly dividing cells. If I put you in that fasting state, you're at least going to be partially protected from chemotherapy. The good cells. Whereas cancer has lost the signaling that normal cells have. So you have what's called differential stress resistance. So different tissues respond to the stress of chemotherapy differently. Cancer keeps right on dividing. It's lost all of that signaling when I'm in a fasting state. So it doesn't care that I'm fasting, or at least it doesn't care as much. And the rest of your body goes into kind of a a cloaked mode from the chemo. So when I give you chemo, you no longer lose as much hair. You don't get anywhere near as nauseous. You don't vomit. You actually maintain your lean body. So was this actually done in a trial? So this was done in a human trial, and we're currently in the midst of a larger human trial that we're nearing completion on, and we hope to finish soon. I have not seen the full results right up on that, but in the smaller trials, we've seen good results so far. You know, again, we're not going to claim that we're reducing... Uh, that we're changing the outcomes. We're only looking at, are we reducing the side effects of chemotherapy? And it, it sure seems that way. So the, the side effects are reduced, let's say, or that's what the goal is. But is there a, a greater, quote, killing effect of the cancer cells? So this is an interesting one, but because again, I want to be very clear, we don't have... This is not an FDA trial. We're not going to make any claims around outcomes. In preclinical models, for sure, what we've seen is that there is a there's an impact on tumor progression with fasting itself. It seems to have some effect on the immune system. So with the chemotherapy regimen, the idea being that if we reduce side effect profile, I can then either give you a longer dose of chemotherapy or stronger chemotherapy, and that may in turn improve outcome. Even if there, and my belief, my own personal belief, and not any statement the company makes, is that I do believe that fasting boosts the ability of the immune system to actively pursue cancer. So you might get the best of both uh, worlds. My belief is that you will get both an immune system boost and a reduction of side effects. And and I hope that the trial will demonstrate that that I'm thinking correctly. And that's the chemo-leave product that's being tested. Right, and they may change the name of that, but at the moment they're calling it chemo-leave. But yeah, the the design of chemo-leave is a couple days before um, before you're to receive your one day of chemotherapy, you would start taking this product and then you'd take it for the day of, and then there's sort of a, a reintroduction of food the day afterwards, but they want to keep you in a fasting state while you're receiving the chemotherapy. So get you into it for two or three days, keep you into it for, for one day, and then well, you can resume normal. Interestingly, I'm actually following one of my patients, uh, doing that. Okay. I'm 
coaching her and she, she's doing um, the, the fast and, and made sure that definitely you've got to have another fasting day after your chemo. Mm-hmm. That's, and, and that's um, one that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, most of my day job is spent on, on prolon and, and general wellness. Right. So my limited knowledge on chemo leave sort of ends here. Right. So, uh, but I'm excited to see where the future heads. And it's one of the reasons I joined the company is that I really love the, especially in preclinical models where we can see some dramatic impact on autoimmune disease. We can see a lot of impact on survivability in cancer and improved outcomes with chemotherapy in conjunction with that. And, and even with some of the newer immunomodulating cancer therapies. How about some of the suggestion dealing with like neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's? Now that's the ones that are I'm really excited about. We did a, a mouse trial for MS and I believe the results were as follows that in mice we were able to stop progression in MS models of something like 83 or 86 with periodic mice, fasting with periodic fasting it's a slightly different regimen than prolon and then we were able to stop it from progressing in a vast majority and we were actually able to reverse it and cure essentially this functional MS that in these mouse models in something like 18 or 20 percent and we showed remyelination of neurotissue regeneration of nerves resolution of some lesions with MS at least and I believe neither arm had a, a relapse. So, well, I mean, I know I'm familiar with the work of Dale Bredesen. He's yeah. a neurologist mm-hmm. from UCLA. And, you know, he puts people on a kind of a, not the classic ketogenic diet, which is this high meat protein yeah. diet, but lots of vegetables, some small amounts of animal food and, and more vegetable type yeah. oils. And, and, and so they have said that there's been some benefit and they try and keep them in a, a mild ketotic state. Well, let's talk about how, if people want to learn about your product or this product, how can the public learn about it? Mm-hmm. And where do they go? And tell us about your business, the website, and how they can get it, sure. and what happens. Yeah. So the research is you're able to find it on our corporate website for and for all of the publications around fasting mimicking diets and fasting in general. Most of the stuff we can get our hands on is the letter L dash or hyphen Nutra, N is in Nancy, U-T-R-A dot com. And we have a scientific articles section there, and you can find all of the articles that uh, have been published around this subject. Most of them are from Dr. Longo's lab, but there's also some from other places that, that kind of build the understanding of, of how fasting and fasting mimicking diets impact the body and nutrition pathways and regeneration, rejuvenation, and disease states in some cases. And so what the future research is going to be, including research on gastrointestinal diseases like ulcerative colitis and, and Crohn's and then things like neurodegenerative, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and then other things like fatty liver. These are things that we're looking at that are actual medical diseases and are going to require a different approach than, than the general wellness of prolon. But if you're looking for a whole system, sort of regeneration, rejuvenation, because every cell in your body reacts to this fasting trigger that we try to induce with this five-day fasting mimicking diet with with real, carefully designed Mediterranean-style food with breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, etc. So if you're interested in trying this five-day program, which is designed to make fasting easier and doable, and in some cases enjoyable, about half the people think it's easy. I'm not, I'm not one of them. I think it's pretty challenging. I, I get trouble. I would say yeah. it's reasonable. The biggest, the biggest thing, truthfully, is not the the physical feeling it's just that i'm used to mentally grabbing something or it's the actual uh, mental habit of eating a certain food or like having a Mm -hmm. nice coffee in the middle of the afternoon or something like that and i'm trying to stay off even though you can have one cup of coffee on this program but i'm choosing to stay off so it's more of like when i'm bored or i'm stressed or something i would usually go grab something people want something to do and so that's the part that gets kind of like but other than that physically for me 
you know, I feel it, but I mean, it's not like a hammer at all. It's pretty, it's yeah. fairly easy. Well, and, and again, uh, half the people think it's right. easy. I'm not in that half. So I have to keep myself busy. I plan on day two and three to be pretty miserable. I view it as work, but I also view it as, you know, I'm getting all these perceived benefits. So I believe I'm going to get this longevity right. benefit. But again, we don't have 120 year trials, so I can't prove that, but it sure seems like it. And the ha healthiest populations on earth do some form of this. I, I'm really compelled by it. I do like the idea that we did all the things for you it's you don't have to you have, right. don't so have to tell us to, about the packaging yeah. so you get so what this box is is it's a very very carefully engineered mediterranean style diet with five individual day boxes and each day box has breakfast lunch dinner snacks dessert and on day two through five a little energy drink called the l drink which is a form of glycerol that gives you energy that helps protect muscle loss because one of the big concerns with a water only fast is you're going to lose quite a bit of muscle mass and you'll still potentially lose a small amount on this diet but you preserve a vast majority of it relative to any other because form of, of the fast. glycerol so because of the glycerol primarily but also because we're giving you free fatty acid that your body can use to convert into energy when you're in ketosis rather than hunting in the muscle and what muscle mass you do lose seems to be glycogen which is purely just the fluff in between right. that provides energy so when you eat again so the free fatty acids are in the nuts the fatty part of the yeah meal. so we, we have quite a bit of fat the diet is is about half healthy fat so olive oil forms a good portion of it there are plenty of there about 40 percent of the diet has nuts in it there are some plants that provide healthy fat so so that's most of where the energy comes from there's still a decent amount of carbs and sugar we basically looked for the absolute maximum amount we can give the average person of each of the macronutrients of uh, sugar protein and carbs and we gave you up to that limit so that's where the, you know, there is still protein in the diet. There is, but it's a very low amount. There's a very low amount of sugar, but there's a decent amount of carbs uh, and there's a, a large amount of healthy fat. And that's where we get you all the way up to on day two through five, about 800 calories. So we try to give you the most food we can while still ensuring that you're going to get the benefits as we saw in the clinical trials. So are most people getting into mild ketosis or no? That's a good question. I would say the more we do with hyper athletes and people in great shape and nutrition buffs, the more we're seeing that there is a huge variation in how people actually get in ketosis. Fortunately for me, my fallback argument is that ketosis is not really the benefit. It's almost a side effect of the diet. The benefit is suppression of IGF-1, mTOR, okay. and pKa, which leads to all of the cellular cleanup, regeneration, and rejuvenation. Okay. The ketosis is probably responsible for a good portion of the weight loss on the diet because it drives you into gluconeogenesis. You use up the visceral fat in your body, which is the unhealthy fat surrounding organs. But again, most people are getting into ketosis but I do hear from a good amount of people who are regularly testing themselves that they don't get into ketosis until day four or five, and sometimes not until day six after they've finished the diet. It turns out that there are some slow responders out there in the world that no matter what diet they're doing, won't hit ketosis for six to 10 days in. But specifically with Prolon and with fasting mimicking diets, we're giving them something that's keeping their body from reaching ketosis. They're still losing quite a bit of weight, so we know they're in gluconeogenesis, but for whatever reason, they're not generating ketones. Now, whether that has any clinical impact, it doesn't seem to. They seem to still get the same benefits. But we are hearing quite a bit that not everybody gets into that ketosis. So, All right. So you, I think the first day is 1,150 calories mm -hmm. ballparkish, and then it goes down to 800, 800, yeah. 800, 800. Mm -hmm. And then, so you've done that for five days. Then there's a refeeding day. And what's the, the logic of the refeeding day? Yeah. So 
in our clinical trial, we actually didn't have any restrictions. We wanted to see what only the impact of the diet itself was. So we didn't change what we tell them to eat when they're not on the diet. We didn't change them their activity levels. But one of the things we did do was try to be careful how quickly you reintroduce what I would consider to be traditional food. Because you've spent the last five days eating fairly clean, easily digestible food that's carefully engineered, it's going to be a hard transition if you dive right back into traditional quote-unquote food. So we really encourage people to take it slow on day six to start with liquids. If you're going to do something like a fruit juice or something, make sure it's a healthy one. Soft things, soups, porridge, oatmeal is, is easier for some people than others because you still have the oats in there. And so, you know, we really didn't have too many restrictions. And while we recommend moving to a low-protein Mediterranean-style diet when you finish, our trials saw all of their results without that restriction. So everybody asks me this, what should you eat afterwards? And, you know, what, what should I do on day six of the transition? And my advice is basically, as tolerated, go slowly. By the end of the day, you can try soft proteins like fish or something like that or, or, or chew your food very thoroughly and try something harder. Try and stay away from steak and things like that, or big sugar loads like a donut. I hear a lot of people go straight for a donut, and they end up getting pretty ill right after the diet. So I'd avoid that if I were them. All right. How do you, someone order the, the diet? Yeah. You can go through a physician, or you go right on the website. So how do you order this yeah, product? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. And, and if you are a generally healthy person, you can go to our website. If, you're not, uh, if you don't have any med major medical issue, uh, you're not on any medications, cholesterol meds are okay. But all the other medications, we want you to be reviewed by your healthcare provider. But if you're generally healthy, you can go onto the website, Prolon, which is Prolong without the G, P-R-O-L-O-N, FMD for fastingmimickingdiet.com. So prolonfmd.com and you can register or just fill out the self-assessment and I think we're moving towards a different form and just click and, and purchase. And I highly encourage everybody to to do the three cycles. I think they give a, they do give a price break at the three cycles, but I think your outcomes are going to be a lot better, more towards your liking. Most people should probably start with three cycles, and then depending on your individual needs, if you're trying to get a lot of weight loss, because the product does work very, very well for weight, people typically lose quite a bit. If you do three cycles, it's going to last a lot longer. You're going to be much happier because it's a great kickstart, but unless you're doing it every month, it's not a very, I want you to have success. Some people are hyper responders and lose a ton of weight. I mean, 18 pounds, one cycle is the record I've seen. And some people keep it all off, but that's not everybody. And if I, I want you to have success and you will see that early success and you'll feel good and it'll be easier to make good choices. But I really encourage people to start with three boxes. And then after that, I view it as kind of a cleanup as needed. So go to the website, you can either register for a subscription model and they ship it to you on a regular basis, or you can buy three all at once. If you do have any issues and you can't purchase directly from us, we do have some telemedicine doctors that we, we know that we can refer you to, or uh, we can you can go to your own healthcare practitioner and we can help set that up and you can be followed by your doctor while you're on this. They put yeah. in the doctor code. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Kelly, very much for taking the time to be on the show today. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. And my name is Kirk Hamilton. This is Staying Healthy Today show, and you can go to stayinghealthytoday.com. And as usual, I'll have a little written summary underneath the podcast. So thanks again, Dr. Kelly. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you, the audience, for listening to this edition of the Staying Healthy Today show. And until next time, stay and be well. <laughs>